Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to everyone in the physical gathering here at One Church Steel, and welcome to everyone online. This is a kickoff weekend unlike any we've done. Partially because for obvious reasons we're not gathering like we used to do, but it's great to see a great crowd out today in our physical gathering. But also, too, because we're not doing one kickoff weekend. We're not doing two kickoff weekends. We're doing three kickoff weekends. We're doing three weekends in a row where we're going to help you as part of a new series. I'm going to be teaching for the next three weeks, and I want to help us level up. What do I mean by that? I mean this, to make a move in your life for the better. What would it look like if you made a single move, just one move for the better spiritually in your life in this season. What would happen, what would the trickle effect be in our church community? How much stronger and deeper would we be if you as an individual made one move to make your life better spiritually? What would it look like if we as a church made a move to make the ripple effect in the city of Toronto? What could happen? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Jonathan, are you forgetting we're in a global pandemic? an economic challenge, a social crisis, and you, you don't want us to just get through this. You want us to level up in this moment? Yes, I do. I want you to take, I'm going to be challenging you for the next three weeks to take a move. Make a move. Take some action to actually level up in this moment. Here's why. Because so often we do this, and I don't want you to do this. I do this, but I don't want me to do this. I don't want you to ever waste a trial. Don't waste a trial. If you're facing a, a tough moment, don't waste that moment. Don't, don't, never waste a challenge. Never waste a, a tough moment. Never waste a time of testing. Because you, you're going to see today, these are not times to waste. These are times to level up in. See, listen, when, it, when we face extreme conditions and extreme circumstances, those are the moments in our lives where we can experience extreme growth. Extreme growth. So here's what I want to do. If you have a Bible, you can, you can open it up. But here, I'm going to take you back and just tell you the narrative of Scripture. I want to go back to the very beginning. The Bible is a story. It's a narrative. 66 books all bound together. And it's a story of a relationship between God and his people. And in the ancient parts of the Bible, the people of God were in prison. They were in slavery. They were a workforce. And they cried out to the living God. God heard their cry. And he sent a deliverer. His name was Moses. Moses came to set the people free. This is what God always does. When God gets involved in anyone's life, he's there to set them free. Free from what? Free from what's obviously shackling them, but even free from the stuff that they don't even know that's entangled them and grabbed them. He's in the freedom business. So Moses comes as a deliverer, and where does Moses lead the people? To the promised land? Well, not a direct flight, right? 
And no, they had to go through the desert first. And here's what we often forget, because I'm going to let you know right away here, we're driving towards helping you grow deeper in your faith in this new season at One Church CO. But I want you to understand, we miss this over and over. Here's the truth I'd love you to anchor your heart to at the beginning of this message. There is always a desert before a promise. There's always a desert before a promise. There's always a wall before a breakthrough. Uh, there's always something before the reward. There's always something before the prayer is answered. There's always a desert experience before a promise. So the children of God are led into a literal desert. And a desert is a wasteland. It's a place that can't sustain life. It's a place where things go to die, right? Well, no one gets spared the desert in this life. Even Jesus didn't get spared it. In Luke chapter 4, in the gospel there, it describes a moment where Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, is led into a desert. And the Greek word that Luke uses for desert is translated roughly, probably in your English version of your Bible, it might say wilderness, but what it literally means is an uninhabitable place. And that's the desert. There's not enough water. There's not enough food. There's not enough shelter from the blazing sun that has ill effect on anything that's living at that time. There's not enough. It's insufficient. There's not enough to go around. The wells don't go deep enough. The food doesn't get stretched far enough. And the provision isn't strong enough. It's not that there's no food in the desert. It's not that there's no water or no, no shelter. It's just not enough. It's insufficient. And the Bible would say this. Although the children of God were in a literal desert, all of us are actually in a spiritual desert. All of us. And that's why spiritually we die before physically we die here on earth. It's not deep enough. So my heart and I know it's the heart of our leadership at this church, it's the heart of, of the staff at this church, is that we would be the type of believers that have grown uh, root systems so deep that it gets to the deep water. Not just any old deep water, but the deep living water that Jesus spoke of to the Samaritan woman that he came across at the well. A deep living water in the middle of a desert that's able to sustain you. And it's our hope, it's my prayer, that it won't be just for older generations, it won't be just for adult generations, but all of our generations will develop that type of root system that come what may, they can stand. So... I want to introduce this weekend. Every weekend, we're going to introduce a little bit of the vision that we're going forward as a church. One of the key components, and this, the staff, the next-gen team have been working on this for over a year. It's called the Spiritual Life Track. It's for those ages 4 to 18. We want to prepare and grow a generation with roots so deep that when they are uh, traveling through a desert, they can find that water in the rock. They can find that manna in the morning, that they will be sustained and actually thrive in those situations as they go into adulthood, when things begin to come at them, they have the resources because their roots go so deep. Now, why am I telling you about this? Better to have our next-gen team lead, Stephanie Jones, tell you what the SLT is all about. What is the SLT? I'm glad you asked. The SLT. A spiritual life track for children from the ages of 4 to 18. Because we notice that children's knowledge of the Bible and who Jesus is wasn't matching up with their application of this knowledge. We also noticed that attending church once or twice a week was just not enough. 
we wanted. No, no, we needed to create a program that would help our children live actively like Jesus. Here at One Church TO, our vision is to know God, love people, and impact the city. And we wanted to teach our children how to do this by creating tangible ways. We call these achievables. Ladies and gentlemen, we measure our children's academic development. We measure their social development. When will we measure their spiritual development? The spiritual life track for kids, because they're worth it. She said it so much better than I could have. I am so excited about this, friends. We are going to help equip those ages 4 to 18. So if you know anyone 4 to 18, they're in your orbit somehow. You owe it to them to journey with us in the spiritual life track. Now, at September 20th, 7 p.m., if you're watching online, in the chat room, they'll put a Zoom link. If you're here and you want to see, uh, know more about that, just email stephanie at onechurch.to and we'll send the link to you because we're going to have a meeting where we're going to launch the SLT and you, we want as many of those younger generations to journey with us. Even if you're not in the GTA and you're watching online, you can do that with us. The SLT programs for everyone ages 4 to 18. But what about you? What about adults? What about the rest of us, right? You know, because we all experience desert moments. We should never be surprised when we experience them. And I think 2020 is, in particular, had some of those moments in ways I never expected. I mean, if 2020 was a gift and someone gift-wrapped it, wouldn't you be tempted to rewrap it and give it back? It's just been that kind of year. It's dark, it's difficult, it's been hard, it's not been easy. And I've been thinking a lot about this year a lot about what it's revealing and what, where it's leading. What it's revealing and where it's leading. See, one of the great revealers in my life, one of the great truth tellers in my life, is when circumstances or people bump up against me, what comes out is what was really in me. And this is lost in our culture because we're really in a blame culture, blame others. We're not in our own ourselves culture, are we? Now, it gets a little awkward when I start talking that way. Here's a truth that I've tried to live by and I'm trying to monitor as I go through 2020 to evaluate my spiritual health and the depth of the, my roots. And it's simply this, that the circumstances and the people in my life don't create my inner life, they reveal my inner life. The circumstances and the people in my life, those that bump against me, grind against me, they don't create my inner life but they actually do reveal my inner life. So as long as I have a great life, as long as I remain unbumped in this life, I can let you, I can control what you see about me. I can control, I can even fool myself and fool others to think I'm actually more devoted and deeper in God than I actually really am because I haven't been bumped. So friends, have you been bumped in 2020? Are you getting bumped right now? Here's a question. What is it revealing? Now, Jesus' half-brother James would say, actually, what you're getting right now is a gift. He says it this way. Consider it sheer, a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come your way from all sides. So, friends, I don't know if you're seeing 2020 like a gift. I know it's not an easy gift, but 
Consider it sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come from you from all sides. Why? You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. What a gift. Under pressure, our faith life is exposed and we get to see the true colors that are really there. What a gift. Why is that a gift, Jonathan? Why is that a gift? Because many of us walk through life ignorant of our closeness or our depth in faith. What a gift it is. It helps you to know where you stand. It goes on to say this. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Now that's a sentence I've underlined and that's the sentence I keep reading as I go through COVID-19. Why? Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Now, okay, is this easy? I expected someone in this gathering to say no, because it's not. How do we do that? How do we try not to get out of anything prematurely? That is so difficult to do. How do we do that? How do we persevere in these moments? How do we lean in in these moments? How do we let that testing and that trial and that pressure do its work? Well, over the course of the summer, the staff here at One Church Deal, we've paused to spend a lot of time in prayer and thinking. And the question we tried to answer is, what type of disciple are we producing at One Church Deal? What type of disciple are we producing? Is it the type that can thrive in a desert moment? Or is it the type that had a surface level faith and the wells didn't go deep enough in that desert moment? You see, all of us need sustenance in our life. So we drill wells to find nourishment for ourselves, right? We drill wells and we drill it in our families, our relationships, our health, our ambitions, our pursuits. And only to find out that none of them can actually satisfy us, right? None of them actually can do the hard work of satisfying us. And so how do we help people grow that they build deeper well into Jesus? Well, first off, you need to know this. You probably heard me say this on many weekends in the past. We're not here to help you learn about Jesus. That's incomplete. We're here to help you live like Jesus. It's, it's critical, it goes beyond learning to a place of living. So one of the sentences that is guiding everything we're doing this in the season is simply this. We want to help you actively learn to live like Jesus. See, learning without living is like acquiring something without applying something. If you acquire a lot of assets in life, but you never use them, you're a hoarder. You're just hoarding. It's actually an illness. It's not, it's not good for you. You're acquiring more and more and consuming more and more, but you're not applying more. Acquiring without applying is lost. It's wasted. Learning without living is the same. We can learn, 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 learn. And a lot of our discipleship models, and the, when I grew up, my generation was about learning. Learning the books of the Bible, learning things, learning chapter and verses. But the application part was so low. And that's why many of my peers, when they got into adult life, departed from faith. Because the application part was so low. 
We're committed to actively help you to learn like Jesus. And we came up with three indicators that can help you measure whether you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, whether you have developed the type of root system that can sustain you no matter what comes in this life. And each week I'm gonna be bringing one more to you. This week, the first one, how do you know, and it's all linked to our mission statement, know God, love people, and impact the city. How do you know that you know God? Well, you can measure it to the degree that you're living a surrendered life. A surrendered life. What does that mean to live a surrendered life? Well, all of us are born in desert experience. And at some point in life, we realize that everything that this life has to offer us just doesn't seem to scratch that itch that is deep in our souls. There's not enough water to quench our thirst. There's not enough food to satisfy our hunger. There's not enough protection to keep us under some sort of protective uh, uh, guise. So at some point in time, maybe someone led us to Jesus. Or maybe the Holy Spirit moved us into the presence of Jesus. Circumstances caused us to seek shelter under him. Under his hand, the shadow of the Almighty. And there we found a water that actually quenched our thirst. There we found manna that actually satisfied our hunger. There we found protection that actually kept the blaze of the sun off of us. But the truth is for you and for me, that most of us, while we would come to Christ in a moment and we come under him, most of us live a life where we straddle faith where we have a, a portion of our lives submitted to Jesus, and we have another portion exposed to the elements. These are the portions of my life that I want to maintain control in. Some of us, we've got this part of our lives clearly under Jesus' authority, under him. We, we've, we've found refuge in him, but, but our mouths, they're outside of him. So the words of our mouth don't edify. The words of our mouth don't encourage and build up. The words of our mouth tend to be critical, tend to be gossip-driven, because why? The tongue hasn't come under his authority. Some of us keep our wallets outside of this. We keep our time or talents outside of this. Many of us in life, we, we want to follow Jesus. We want everything that he offers, but we keep our relational pursuits outside. And you know, generally in life, you don't even notice it. You don't notice it until you hit a desert. And in the desert all of those exposed parts begin to ache. All of those exposed parts, you begin to see where you trust Jesus and where you don't trust Jesus. Because panic sets in. Anxiety sets in. Worry sets in. I'm not talking about a medically induced level. I'm just talking about that pervasive thing that begins, fear begins to grip us. Why? Because we don't really trust Jesus because we're partially in. Living a surrendered life is going all in with Jesus. It's allowing the love of God to affect every nook and cranny of your life and my life. That's what living a surrendered life looks like. Let, let me explain it. Let me illustrate it, and we'll, we're almost done here. I, I did, went to Coburg this last week uh, on Tuesday for a committal service. Um, easiest funeral to do only because this man lived such a good life. He honored the Lord. He loved the Lord. His name was Arthur Windsor, part of our church family, and I went to do the graveside committal. And on the way back, I'm driving down the 401, and I drive by uh, Bowmanville or Clarenton. If you're 
watching from Bowmanville, Claritin, jump in the chat room, tell us you're there because uh, I, I, I haven't really been there much, but I noticed from the highway, there was a car dealership you could see, and it had this on the outside of the dealership, a big advertisement that said, new owner, new management, new attitude. And I couldn't help but chuckle in the car when I drove by. And I thought about it the whole way into Scarborough, the way home. Because all I could think of is, how bad, I mean, honestly, how bad must that old owner have been? And the old management have been, and the attitude that they had had been that your advertisement for your dealership is, we're not like them. <laughs> we're, we're not like the old owner, the old manager. We're not like that new old attitude. I thought, how bad must they have been? And I couldn't help but think, this sign should sign out beyond each of our lives. Anyone who's a follower of Jesus. Anyone who's a follower of Jesus. This should be hung on the outside of our lives. Why? Well, what does it mean to fully surrender to Jesus? It means you recognize that you now have a new owner. I mean, it used to be Jonathan's company. I, I was the CEO of this company. But now, it wasn't a hostile takeover, it was a grace-filled takeover. And I surrendered, when I followed Jesus, I surrendered ownership of my life to him. Paul puts it this way, he says it this way, Christ lives in me, the life you see me living is, can you say it with me, not mine. It's not mine. Now, let's admit, friends, some people have daddy issues, some people have mommy issues, all of us have management issues. All of us have ownership issues. All of us do. All of us have ownership issues. We like to think that we're still in charge, right? See, here's the interesting thing. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus said when we would choose to follow him, the first thing he asked us to do was be baptized. Why? Baptism is hanging that sign that says, I'm under new ownership. New ownership. So I told you, I'm going to challenge you to level up in this series. And for some of you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, that is your next level up step. That's your next level up step. In fact, if you go in the chat room, you can just simply press that button, I want to be baptized. If you're here in this gathering, if you go to onechurch.to slash connect, you can press a button to say, I want to be baptized, because we're going to do baptisms this fall at One Church TO. I have, I, I, we're working on a way. We're going to do it safely. We're going to do it well. But if we want to help you take your next step, what if you could take one step to get better, healthier, spiritually in this life? If you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, this is your next step. This is your next step. It's an admission. I'm under new ownership. So for all of us in this room or online, it's not enough just to acknowledge that. Maybe you've acknowledged that, but I wonder if you could confess it today. You know what it means to confess, to actually say it today. So I've written three confessions that I'm going to lead you in through this gathering. So here's the first confession. Here's a, I'd love you to say it out loud with me and even say it like you mean it. Okay, you ready? Here we go. All that I have and all that I am belongs to God. Let's say it one more time online. We didn't hear you loud enough. All that I have and all that I am belongs to God. It all belongs to God. So what does it mean to live a surrendered life? We're under new ownership. The other thing it means, we're under new management. We're under new management. Paul puts it this way. He says this. 
So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, here's the interesting thing. You know what management does? Management runs the day-to-day operations of a company or a business, right? So, listen, we're under new ownership, but some of us acknowledge that. We came to Jesus, but we don't want to be under new management. We want, again, new ownership because new ownership brings new money, new things, new experiences, but we want to be able to still manage things under the old management structure that we had been running before. But the surrendered life is a recognition that I no longer operate that way. I no longer operate that way. Now I have new management. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and now I'm under new management. How do you measure whether or not you are submitted to new management. Well, the correlation is connected to your level of obedience. See, obedience is such a tough word because it's a word that we don't like, right? But obedience is connected to the word trust. Can you say trust with me? We obey to the degree that we trust. Now, some of us might be saying, listen, I obey. Listen, if you obey only when you think it's reasonable, or it's something you like. That's not obedience, that's convenience. Convenience is just that what God wants for you is something you actually want for you. Oh, okay, yeah, no problem, God, I won't do that, or no problem, God, I'll do that, why? Because it sounds reasonable, and it's what you want. True obedience is when it doesn't sound reasonable to you, or you don't quite understand it. You know why? because you're choosing to come under his authority because you're saying, hey, I think he might see things differently. I think he might see things better than I see them. And you trust that Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to give something to you. So when Jesus says, do this or don't do this, it's always for your benefit. So we're all, when we come under, you can measure the degree that you're submitted to the new management by the level of surrender in your life, the level of obedience in life, which is tied to the level of trust you have in Jesus. So that's a, that's a big point. So here's a confession. Our first confession was, all that I have and all that I am belongs to God. My goodness, you're in church, friends. The right answer is always Jesus or God, right? All that I have and all that I am belongs to God. Here's the second confession here, tied in with management. It's simply this. I am not the boss of my life. Can you say that with me? I am not the boss of my life. You know, friends, there's a part of you that this is hard to say, right? It's vulnerable to give up the steering wheel but there's never a safer place to be. Listen, actually, do the math on this. Who's responsible for the bottom line? The boss. And by making the Holy Spirit the boss of your life, we have come under ownership of Jesus. He fills us with his spirit who is our manager. All of a sudden, allow him to be responsible for the outcomes as you live a submitted life to him. Last one, quick one. Not only new owner, new management, that leads us to a a new attitude. A new attitude. Look at this scripture. This is worth the price of admission. Here's what he says, Paul says. He says, everything, and I love how he emphasizes it. I do mean everything. 
I mean everything. Connect it with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Here's the problem. Many of us don't believe that. Everything connected with that old way of living is rotten through and through. It all has to go. The problem for me, maybe it's you too, is when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I took a lot of the trappings from this world with me in my old ways. I packed my pockets. I, I, I had those habits, those attitudes, and those behaviors that were a lot like how I used to live when I was under my own management and my own ownership. So here I am, trying to find, come under his ownership, his management, but I've got old attitudes, friends. And that's why sometimes you'll see people who follow Jesus and their attitude stinks sometimes. Why? Well, because it never went under. Never went under. They didn't learn the new behaviors and attitudes that they needed to form. These things are formed in a process. For a mature believer, none of us are fully formed, but we're inching in the right direction. We're bringing just a little bit more under the authority of Jesus the older we get in our faith journey. How do we do that, friends? You know, I'm going to lay three things on you that you're going to expect a preacher to say, and I'm going to tell you it's the only way. The only way that you can develop that new attitude is through God's word, through worship, and through prayer. Why? Well, God's word transforms your thinking. It renews your mind, changes the way you look at things. In fact, if you're in the chat room, go in there. There's a button to press there that says you want to be signed up for our text messages. You want to receive our daily text messages. All it is is a scripture that, that gets text to your phone once a day. Listen, friends, it's not enough to sustain you. It's like a Timbit. You ever have a Timbit at Tim Hortons? <laughs> It's, it's just a little snack. It's not enough to sustain you, but hopefully it whets your appetite for something that this world can never give you. And that might be a start for some of you, to renew your thinking. Uh, you can also, in our chat room, you'll see there's a button to join our Spotify list. And so, because worship is so important. You know what worship does when we gather? It's not just singing songs, friends. Worship is reordering the affections of your heart. The word renews your mind. Worship renews your heart. All of a sudden, I love you, Jesus, more than, more than all the other wells I've been drilling in my life. Your well is most important. You are life to me. You mean everything to me. It's unbelievable how much you love me, but nothing is impossible with you. You drill that well so when it's dry and you're thirsty and you're hungry, you have a place to go and you have a place to be renewed and renewed and refreshed. And prayer, prayer is so important because prayer teaches you dependency on God. I know when the chips are down and things are at its worst, he's your first phone call, not your last. He's your first reaction, not your last resort. He's your first uh, person you talk to, not the last one you talk to. Why? Because I am tapping into the most powerful being in the universe. And I have an audience for, with God the Father because Jesus' the Son has made it possible for me to be in relationship with him. Friends, living the surrendered life is not easy, 
But living the surrendered life is the pathway to being connected with our Savior Jesus so that we can know what it means to thrive even in the middle of a desert. Even in the middle of a desert, friends. So here's our last confession. The first one was, all that I have, all that I own, everything, it belongs to you. The second confession is, I'm not the boss of my life. And the third confession is this. Say it with me. I have a new way and conduct of living. This is a faith confession. The others are acknowledgments, right? You know, we're acknowledging everything I have and we're reminding ourselves everything I have belongs to God, right? We're reminding ourselves. We're reminding ourselves, I'm not the boss of my life. This one is a faith one because you'll be saying this confession the rest of your life. I have a new way and conduct of living. See, living a surrendered life is not easy. But it's the way that we find a pathway forward to those deep waters. It's an acknowledgement that I'm under new management. I have a new owner. And because of that, I have a new attitude. I want to pray with two groups of people here. I want to pray with those who want to come under Jesus' leadership in their life. They want to come under his ownership that his spirit would fill you and you come under new management today. I want to pray with you. And I want to pray with those that are just in desert moments right now. Because I have a feeling there's a lot of us in desert moments right now. And you might be thinking, how do I get out of this? And, and that's natural and normal. And I know that God will get you through this. But I don't want you to miss the treasure in that dark place either. So let's pray. Well, Father, we come to you today because we can boldly do so because of what your son Jesus did for us. That he would give his life for us means we can talk to you right now and you hear us. You know us by name. You love us. You show, we see evidence of that and that you sent your son, Jesus, on, to come and rescue us. And in this moment, we as a church community come into a fresh place of surrender. Not our will, but your will be done. Not our way, but your way, God. Lord, we pray that for our church corporately, we pray, God, that living waters would just stream into homes, into apartments, into seniors' homes, into, into minds and hearts and souls and workplaces, that living water would begin to quench the thirst that so many of us have, that there would be spiritual men on high to satisfy our hungers in this life, God. Lord, we pray, Jesus, for shelter, Shelter in the midst of a difficult moment. Refuge. You're the strong tower and the righteous run into you and they are saved. So God, we pray collectively for everyone in our church community, everyone watching online who is going through a desert moment. God, would you shelter them? Would you just cause your, the, the, your, the shadow of the Almighty to cover them, God, so that the blazing sun of circumstances wouldn't be able to dry them up, wouldn't be able to destroy them. And God, would you cause living waters, not surface level, deep living waters to flow into their need, whether it's a, a, a tangible need or a spiritual need, whatever it is, that living waters would spring up, God. And Lord, that you would provide daily provision for them in the middle of the desert experience. And then friends, if you'd like to pray with me to follow Jesus, you just join me in this prayer. Jesus, today I come to you.
And I transfer the ownership of my life to you. I acknowledge that as an owner, I can't do this. I need a new owner with deeper pockets and greater resources and greater grace to take over this operation because by itself, I'm in deficit. And in acknowledging that, I say, God, Jesus, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me that new management? I need to be guided by your spirit. I need to be guided in the pathways of righteousness for your name's sake. I need to understand the pathway of peace and the highway of holiness. I can't do this life without you. My needs are too great. And God, I'm acknowledging I'm coming to you as my source. Not other wells. I'm coming to you as my source. So I come under your management today. And I ask you to be renewing my attitude, my thinking, my, the affections of my heart, my habits, God, so that the person that I am can actively learn to live like Jesus. I want to be like you, and I want to follow you all the days of my life. And if you said that prayer with me, say amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.